was Christmas for you? Yeah, marvellous, thanks. I had a, a lovely Christmas and nice to go to Old Trafford on Boxing Day and uh, see the best goal I've ever seen with my actual eyes. Very good. Uh, and there was a Mkhitaryan's goal too. <laughs> did you have a nice uh, Christmas, Ed? I did. It was very cold. I was uh, at the seaside for Christmas. Now, I have no connection with the set. I was on the south coast, uh, somewhere between uh, Littlehampton and uh, sort of Worthing. Um, hired a big house, went down there, very nice, lots of family over. I have no connection to that part of the world, but we thought it would be fun. Uh, it was very nice, but very, very, very cold. Did you, like, go to the beach for a walk on Christmas Day? Yes. Yes, it was very cold. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It blows the cobwebs of mince pies dust off you. Yeah, something like that. Uh, there's been some good football, hasn't there? Uh, yeah, that one football match where David Moyes' Red Army came to town, the Sunderland fans singing David Moyes' Red and White Army from the beginning. Overwhelming thought being, you can keep him, lads. Uh, you are welcome to him. It was horrible to see him in the Old Trafford technical area, but nice to see those two managers uh, the right way round in that technical, in those technical areas. Well, quite, yeah. Did you enjoy his pre-match press conference in which he moaned about not having enough time and said it had been tough for Mourinho and Van Gaal afterwards too? I mean, he's just, he's just a parody, isn't he? I mean, you know... <sighs> All he is is a slightly a manager with a, an overly developed sense of his abilities. That's that's his great crime. I mean, you know, I, I suppose it's fairly unlikely that he's going to say, um, "Yes, I was a poor match for the job and and was never going to live up to it and should never have been appointed." It's reasonable not it's not reasonable to assume he'd say that, but for his kind of. Um, he could easily brush off the question to start talking about United betraying their traditions because they were traditionally a club that hired British managers. It's just, I mean, as well as the kind of hint of xenophobia about that, it's just stupid. They, the yeah, last you manager- kips David Moyes, he's <laughs> taken over from Gary Neville. Uh, it's, well, it's the biggest stupidity about that is he's the cause of it. <laughs> it's him. He's the he's the disaster that means United didn't you know, reverted away from hiring British managers and had to spend loads of money. Him. But, I mean, it's even broader than that. The last manager they hired before David Moyes was hired in 1986. When did the Premier League first get, get its first foreign coach, non-British coach? It was, uh, what's his name, right? Uh, Gross from Switzerland when he came to manage Tottenham, I believe. That uh, that might have been the first one. Um it's just oh Villa a different world. Villa brought someone in as well. Anyway, I can't. I don't. But it's you know in 1986, no one. Did, yes, yeah. there you go. But no one did it in 1986. So it's a complete non sequitur to say that he uh, that, that United's traditions were to hire British managers. Football's traditions in this country were to hire British managers. Then things change. Yeah, they do, uh, and uh, it's giving him too much credence to debate the merits of his rant before the game. I think the biggest thing that annoys me, and there's steam blowing out my ears whenever I think about him, so I don't want to talk about him too much, is the absolute total denial that he was ever at fault whatsoever for anything that went on. Yeah, it's never your fault. It's never your fault. David Moyes, it's never your fault. It's ridiculous and and frustrating. But, you know, other people have said and done worse things than that, but still, it's... uh, 
every time he speaks, every time he talks about needing more time, you just think, you did not need more time, Moisey. You needed a lot less time. About nine months less time is what he needed. Yeah, 51 games less would mean, well, maybe 50 games less, because of course he won silverware in his first. <laughs> the um, the amazing statistic that David Moyes has lost more games at Old Trafford as a manager than he has won in spite of managing the club for most of a season. Uh, so um, he went on after the game, after the United beaten Sunderland 3-1, uh, to uh, basically suggest that Sunderland should have got a draw out of this game. Uh, he said uh, Mkhitaryan's goal was offside. Strictly speaking, it probably was, but who cares when it's that good? There should be a special rule, shouldn't there? Um, and uh, said that uh, it was a big mistake to let Zlatan score the second, and so basically Sunderland should have got a draw. Did you agree with him? <laughs> well, when he, when he said the third goal was offside, I literally thought he was making a banter. Um, so I was looking at my phone screen, so I didn't say, see his face. I assumed he was joking because obviously the uh, the kind of it's true that that goal was offside, but the kind of um, the single thing that you think of first when you think of that goal is not that it was offside; it's the nature of that goal. Uh, so I burst out laughing, and he looked at me, and I pretended I was coughing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second time you pussy out in a press conference. Uh, I'm not going to laugh in a man's face in a professional capacity. I, I don't believe that to be uh, anything other than reasonably professional. And I did. No, no, I think this is David Moyes. Laughing in his face is the professional thing to do. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I tweeted out a picture of him in the press conference and lots of people were like, ah, make it go away. You Moyes in front of that United backdrop. Don't want to see it. Never want to see it again. Let's talk a little bit about the game yes. because it, it took a it took a little while to get going, didn't it? United. I mean, Mourinho said he didn't like the first half, and I have to say I didn't like much of it too. But uh, five minutes before the break, and and uh, a lovely layoff from Zlatan and Daily Blint hammered it home. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say exactly United deserved it, but sort of. Uh, but it was a very sort of circumspect first half. Yeah, I mean, th- there were some fairly big chances in that first half. There was the shot that Pogba took from wide, which Pickford spilled forward, um, which could easily have ended up at a United foot. Um, and then there was the volley uh, from inside the area that Pogba hit just over the bar. Then there was the one-two between Pogba and Lingard, where that hit the post. So, you know, I, I think United pretty much deserved to be in front in spite of the fact that it wasn't entirely convincing. Uh, but that was another big confidence lift. And you say uh, David Blin thumped it home, but what he really did, of course, was gather it with his right foot and then slot it into exactly the perfect spot with his left. A, a lovely finish from Blint, who uh, played well at left back. Yeah, he was very good. Yep. Um, definitely his best position. Yep. Uh, who, another uh, player who was excellent was Paul Pogba. Completely <sighs> dominated the midfield. I mean, obviously, obviously got one assist, but... Uh, his um, his performance is much more than that one assist. Uh, people still try to complain about his fee. He's worth every penny, isn't he? I mean, I think so. I I, I don't think there can be too much debate about who the best uh, midfielder, all round midfielder in the country is. And and you know, like everyone said, play four three three with him on the left, and he will shine. Well, we're definitely playing four three three with him on the left, and he is definitely shining. Yeah, and he's very ably supported in midfield. You know, Carrick quiet in this game, but you'd kind of expect that. Uh, Herrera busy as usual, um, and uh, you know, United have sort of that um, much more 
natural shape for the squad now with three out of front. The sacrificial lamb is matter, of course, because he's trying to, he's not able to dictate playing the, the way he would as a real number 10. But um, if it gets the best out of Paul Pogba, I guess that's the uh, the right sacrifice to make. Um, and, you know, Zlatan is, is looking better, I think, in this, this shape too. You know, he plays between the lines of the area. Um, obviously scored a, a very nice goal, two assists and a goal for him. Uh, in this game. Yeah, I thought it was really shonky in the first half as well. Um like really just just that kind of I was a, I was a little bit worried that we were going to get an extended run of bad Zlatan, but no, no, just just the one goal and two assists. Uh just the yeah. uh 12 in 11 plus three assists or whatever it is. Yeah, well, look, um, you know, if, you, if you're looking at some kind of score, I, and I don't know what it is, but uh, I'm sure on who scored and others that do these ratings, he's got a really high rating because they over-index on goals and assists. Uh, his, this was not his best game for United by any means, even though he's put up the numbers. And maybe that says something about his quality. But I think his second half performance was vastly better than his first as well. Um, he, I think he really grew into that game, as, as United did generally. And of course... The absolutely game-changing moment came when Jesse Lingard came off for Henrik Mkhitaryan. And and first of all, I was both happy and surprised uh, with the choice of player to come off for Mkhitaryan because we got 10 minutes or so of Mata and Mkhitaryan together on the pitch. And honestly, that, that... I would I would play Mkhitaryan on the left with Mata on the right in that four three three a couple of times just to see what it looked like because it's lovely seeing them play together. Yeah, it certainly is. And um, I mean, yeah, when the board went up on sixty minutes, uh, you're thinking, okay, this is Mata's turn to come off because that's pretty standard fare, isn't it? But uh, he came off uh, sort of ten minutes later or so. Mkhitaryan was electric though for his half an hour on the pitch. Yeah, great to have him back and. Uh, the debate rages about whether it was right to hold him back or not. Would we have got this McTarian from the start of the season? Um, we'll never know, but uh, he's great now. And, you know, the goal, the absolutely outrageous goal kind of capped all of that off, of course. But his general performance, which you can kind of forget, I think, yeah. um, after seeing that goal, was excellent too. He he was electric from the moment he came on and United looked a completely different team. I mean, I was talking to Greg Johnson before the game who who, who was at, at the game too and he, he was saying he thinks Mkhitaryan is United's best player straight out and I, I'm not sure I think it, I think Zlatan and Pogba and De Gea have got a, a shout for that but uh, he, he was uh, somewhat vindicated when Mkhitaryan did what he did for that goal because uh, I'm not sure even Zlatan has ever scored a scorpion kick not a flying scorpion kick anyway yeah he said uh, I, I'm not actually sure whether this is a real quote or not but the quote going around was that uh, I've told Mickey he's the uh, backheel king I'm the backheel god yeah uh, th- that stuff's a bit tiresome, isn't it? It's like, yeah, all right, all right, mate. Someone else did something good. Just enjoy it. Shut up. Yeah, of course. Uh, the goal was created by Zlatan's cross, but Zlatan's co- cross was behind the forward. It was a bit of a crappy cross, to be honest, and that's what made uh, Mkhitaryan have to do the scorpion kick. So uh, I talked about one moment of unprofessionalism earlier where I burst out laughing at what something stupid David Moyes said. Uh, another moment of unprofessionalism that I have to own up to is that I let out a very loud squeaking noise when McTarran did that. I don't think I've ever made a loud noise for United goal in the press box before, but uh, I, I just, I, 
you could see exactly what he had done immediately. It was immediately clear that he'd done a one-footed scorpion kick. And so you get this noise in Old Trafford where the ball hits the back of the net and reflexively everyone's cheering the fact that it's a goal. And then there's this collective realisation of what he's just done. And the sound of 75,000 people shouting, oh my God, in unison. You know, this kind of awed sound of amazement. I mean, I mean what was your reaction when you saw it, Ed? Uh, well, I mean... Uh, one, I'm watching it with all the family around because I wasn't there, you know, doing Christmas. Um, two, jumping up and down going, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I didn't even know how to describe it. I mean, I guess it's a scorpion kick, but it's one-footed as well. I mean, he sort of twisted yeah. in midair in order to do it. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did all see a one-footed twisting diving scorpion kick at Old Trafford. Amazing. And, you know, like the uh, talk about a summer where the transfer dealings have been vindicated by the process of the season. I mean, obviously, we're we're sixth in the league, so let's not get too carried away. But bringing in Mkhitaryan and Ibrahimovic Pogba and even Eric Bailly in the same summer, it's it's like a dream, really. Well, yeah, and, and owed, I guess, yeah. given the, the dross that was, uh, well, largely dross that was signed previously, although Rocco and Blind maybe are justifying their, their purchases now. I mean, um, say what you like about Mourinho. He seems to have done, done something for a number of the fringe players in the squad, doesn't he? I mean, Absolutely. I, I don't think we've ever seen Rocco play this well. Blind is playing as well as he ever has done at left back. He's not always in the team. Uh, Jones, new lease of life. I mean, I don't want to say it because it's going to jinx him, isn't it? Valencia, he's turned into a bona fide Top quality right back. Even Matters playing well um, in his wrong position. Herrera is now a you know the kind of player we always hoped he would be. Um, you know, there's a few who are not, but for justifiable reasons. You know, so Fellaini he just never had the ability. Morgan Schneiderlin ditto in a way uh, is not involved. Uh, Memphis, well, maybe that says more about the player than than Mourinho. He's done something to raise the level of players that we weren't sure had this level. Absolutely. And and get the best out of players we know have got this level. So, I mean, sure, maybe the Mkhitaryan thing, this is by default and this would have happened anyway, but whatever, it's definitely working. Zlatan has really, really has been excellent for weeks on end now. Um, and just, just, you know, I saw somebody said uh, he drifts in and out of games. And I was thinking all number nines drift in and out of games. You you can't, you don't have, that's, that's what number nines do. They're, they're supposed to drift out of the game and then score a goal. That's like, you know, can you name a number nine that does not drift out of games? Well, if they're playing as a pure number nine. And uh, uh, so, so, you know, what Zlatan will never do and just doesn't do is run the channels and make space for midfielders to make those third man runs and, and all of that. What he's stopped doing, mostly... Uh, is dropping deep and getting into Paul Pogba's zone. Uh, and I think that's important. I think that's doubly important when you're playing a 4-3-3. He's the man up front, playing as a number nine. If he only gets 25 touches a game, that's all right, I think. Uh, somebody called at Creative Martial on Twitter tweeting, uh, roses are red, violets are blue, Pogba puts Ibrahimovic through. I was like, yes, that's nice. Three league assists for Pogba, all for Ibrahimovic. That that's a partnership that is absolutely working, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, and um, 
it, it's you know it's the partly Pogba's quality. He creates more chances than almost anyone in the league, and uh, it's partly Ibrahimovic's movement, uh, which you know between the lines of the penalty area is outstanding, world class. It's good, isn't it? It's nice. This is better. This is better. This is much better than last season. <laughs> Remember doing the podcast last season this time? Yeah, and it's the last time we're going to have to look at David Moyes' face for quite some time <laughs> um, as well. Oh, yeah. So United are still sixth in the league. Um, they've won five games in a row. Now, it is worth pointing out, I think, I think it's only fair to point out that four of those games were against Zoria Luhansk, West Bromwich Albion, Crystal Palace uh, and Sunderland. And so we beat Spurs and they were, you know, they were literally above us in the league. So, you know, we've got to take them seriously. Uh, but that was at home. But, but but much tougher and bigger tests await. But you would think we've got some actual confidence going into those tougher, bigger tests from all these wins. Certainly. And those tougher, bigger tests are going to be some time coming, aren't they? You know, Borough, West Ham. West Ham, maybe they're picking up a bit of form now. Reading, Hulk. Then the game with Liverpool in mid-January. That's yeah. a big one. Stoke, not exactly playing great at the moment. Nope. Stoke, Hull again, League Cup, not playing great. Away at Leicester, still a middling side this season. So, I mean, I have to say, it's not really until there's Liverpool mid-January, Manchester City end of February. It's not a horrendous run over the next two months. No, you know, no. United can really create some real momentum yeah. here. And, and make some progress in the Cups. You know, the League Cup final looks like a very realistic ask. It's Considering where we were after that Chelsea loss, uh, things looking very, very different. Um, that kind of debate about are we, you know, are we a good team that's creating a lot of chances and just not putting them away or are we a team with sort of fundamental problems? I mean, Mourinho said after, after the Sunderland game he thought we played better against Burnley than we did against Sunderland, for example, because he was asked if it felt like it was his team now. And he said, basically, I think it's been my team for quite a while, um, is what he was saying. And uh, he said there's still, there's still room for improvement, but everyone, when Valencia's got the ball, everyone knows what to do. When Blint's got the ball, everyone knows what to do. And, and you can see it. They look like a cohesive unit. The football definitely has a kind of identifiable style. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty... Um, they they switch through the gears pretty quickly, don't they, when they're, they're creating opportunities. But they can also do all that lovely, fluffy stuff on the edge of the air. I mean, there was the the combination play between Mata and Ibrahimovic, which Pogba then flicked up in the box and tried to volley into the top corner. Of it. And that would have given Mkhitaryan a run for its money in uh, goal of the season. Well, yeah. I mean, look, here's, here's a scenario for you. United, look at January, February, March, April. It's not horrendous as a run-in. Um, then there's Spurs and Arsenal in May. That could be a bit tasty if we're all about the same around fourth come May. Yeah, absolutely. Or we just win every game for the rest of the season. Everyone else loses every game for the season and we win the league. Yeah, just the 13 points behind Chelsea. Um, it's a, such a shame we had such a dodgy start to the season and we threw away those points in games that we shouldn't have done because the picture should be looking even rosier it is. But on the pitch... Uh, very rosy and nice that David Moyes' Sunderland didn't get a sniff of a chance. I have to say, Moyes said he thought the team was still in it at 1-0 and United ended up out-shooting Sunderland 26 shots to six. But actually, I don't totally disagree with him because every time they got a set piece when we were 1-0 up, I was thinking, oh no, come on, please, no. But we dealt with them really well. Um, I mean, there was that one shaky bit in the first half where... um, 
I can't remember, it was in each B and someone else, uh, both had a crack. Um, and De Gea saved two shots in a row with his feet. So that was a, that was a bit of a nervy moment. Uh, and then, of course, Bruni, Bruni got a wonder goal for the, uh, the, the consolation goal. He did, hit and hope if it's Bruni. You can't exactly say that's his quality. Uh, well, look, um, Sunderland were always in it because, of course, you have the opportunity to score a goal on the break or from a set piece or whatever at 1-0, and we've seen that happen to United this season. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, were they in the game in terms of, like, the the narrative of the game or the style of play uh, or United's dominance of, on the ball and create chances? Of course not. No, absolutely not. Uh, Mata should have had a penalty as well, I think, in the first half. Uh, Sunderland defender absolutely poleaxed him. Yeah, uh, totally poleaxed him. Uh, wasn't attempting to play the ball at all. Uh, I, I wouldn't... Did Zlatan deserve a penalty as well? Got his legs taken out from under him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That guy was proper karate kid sweep the leg stuff, that was. There you go. You see, the, the only thing that disappoints me about the game, really, is that we didn't absolutely batter them. Yeah, it would have been nice. I mean, the one thing that really disappointed me was Fred the Red giving Moyes a high five. It's like, Moyes looked really genuinely thrilled as well. It's like, oh, Fred the Red loves me. Um, Stephen Housen from Full Time Devils uh, described the United crowd's reaction to Moyes as aggressively indifferent. Uh, Scott from the Republic of Mancunia saying uh, he didn't quite give the United crowd enough credit. He assumed they'd applaud Moyes, but no. They remained indifferent all the way through and then eventually started singing about how Sunderland were going to go down with Moisey. So, yeah, no, very mm. little, by the way, of respectful applause. And I was glad to see that because he, the way he's talked about us, he doesn't deserve it. He doesn't. Did you have to pay Housen for that quote? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, very good. Well, um, do, do we play Sunderland again this season? I honestly can't remember. Musty. I don't feel like we've been to stunt Sunderland this season. I'm going to say we haven't. No. I think the last time we were at Sunderland was the one-all draw for under Van Gaal. So, yeah, we'll have to see Moyes once again, possibly. Well, we will, yeah, if he hasn't been sacked by then. And hopefully not after that, because he'll be in the championship. Uh, Bob Bradley got sacked from Swansea. That was a weird appointment in the first place, it felt like. but it... Weird appointment in the first place, although I have to say I don't buy any of the, the, the typical sort of analysis of this. He's American or he doesn't understand this league. He's not worked in the big leagues. There's plenty of appointments like that made in the Premier League uh, anyway. You know, look at Slavin Bilic. He hadn't had any experience of note before. Well, you know, not at club level anyway, before he became a West Ham manager. So... That wasn't the problem. Uh, the problem has been clearly the players didn't take to him and the fact that the owners appointed him without even consulting uh, the supporters' trust, which still owns about 20% of the club. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really sad what's happened to Swansea because they were so well run. They got themselves in terrible trouble and then got themselves out the right way and then then just it all just went exactly how you would expect it to have gone after their new owners came in. And I imagine their, uh, their future is... Is bleak. Um, I mean, talk about their future being bleak. They're being linked with Ryan Giggs uh, as a potential manager, which I, I wouldn't go to Swansea if I was Ryan Giggs. 
And I wouldn't go to Ryan Giggs if I was Swansea. Well, quite. In this position, that's a hell of a gamble, isn't it? Uh, yeah. To appoint Ryan Giggs. No one knows if he's a good manager or not. Uh, and certainly the ladies of Swansea will be hoping that, or maybe not hoping, <laughs> that he does or doesn't come. He's you choose. In, he's been in the director's box, sat next to Dicky Butt for both of United's last two games. Uh, which probably doesn't mean anything other than he's just allowed to go in the director's box and sit next to Nicky Butt. I think it's Ryan Giggs. He can sit in the director's box whenever he wants. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Luckhurst tweeting that Eric Bailly looked absolutely starstruck as he he greeted greeted Ryan Giggs because he was sat on that, you know, the row of seats where all the players sit. A nice, a nice moment of Man United past and future. Very good. Uh, it would be nice to have Ryan Giggs as part of the club somehow. He has greater ambitions. Maybe they'll be tempered by not getting any jobs. <laughs> yes, quite. Um, talking of tempered ambitions, shall we take some questions from the listeners? Yeah, if we must. <laughs> I just want to, I think we should probably just say a bit more that Henry Mkhitaryan's goal was absolutely amazing. Do you think the fact that it was offside will stop it winning goal of the season? Well, it shouldn't because it's not offside because the officials didn't call it as offside. I mean, I can understand opposition supporters saying, oh, it's offside because they're trying to lessen the goal in some way. I think, you know, fine, should have called it, didn't. There have been plenty of goals, great goals scored over the years where fouls weren't called or they were disputed or whatever. Um, So it was a fantastic goal. It was so good. They should make a new rule that says if a goal that good is scored, it doesn't matter what happened beforehand. I mean, the thing is, right, the offside rule is designed to make it not as not so it's not too easy for the striker to score, right? That's that's the the idea. Well, McIntyre was like, oh, I'm offside. So to redress the moral balance here, I should make it incredibly difficult for myself to score and yet still score. So, you know, it's all sorted. It's fine. All right, I'm good. We're going to answer this first question um, because we get it every single week without fail. And I don't know how many more times we can answer it, uh, but this is probably maybe the last time we're going to answer it for a, a few months anyway. Uh, Which one says is, what is Phil Jones's best position? <laughs> no, although a friend of the show at Big Shimmery Wall came up with a brilliant play on that, which is says, since the club have finally found a way to keep him fit, who is Phil Jones's best position? Very nice. Round of applause for Dave Chong, one of the all-time greats. Follow him on Twitter at Big Shimmery Wall. He's the best. Um, but yeah, this question came in from Don McDowell. It came in from uh, just everyone, basically. And, and in the end, it came in from Danton R7 MUFC. This is this is who I'm reading it from. I'd love to hear any reasons as to why Daily Blint isn't a glaringly obvious replacement for old man Carrick. He's too slow. People run past him. He's he's not great in the tackle. Sorry, he's not. Uh, I'm not sure he reads the game anywhere near as good as Carrick. And his distribution's good, but not to Carrick's standard. So it's a degrade. Well, it was that five reasons why it would be a downgrade on Carrick. Uh-huh. Do we really want that in central midfield? Uh, and and here's a bit. Here's a here's a sixth. We've seen him play there. He wasn't very good. So I think he can definitely do the Carrick job against teams we're going to utterly dominate. Um, I think, funnily enough, it was Sunderland in the first Van Hal season where he played in the centre of the park with Herrera, completed over 100 passes, was just just excellent, ran the show from start to finish in that game. But there was absolutely no pressure on him at any stage. You compare that to uh, maybe it was Chelsea, although he might have played at left back 
in that game. But anyway, I think it was Chelsea away at the end of that good run in the first Van Gaal season where he played in that carrot role and just uh, was was pretty much brushed aside. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I... Well, we've talked about it a lot. I, I rate him higher than you do, and I'm, I'm not sure I necessarily agree on every one of those points, but I think, broadly speaking... Uh, he's not the same player that Carrick is in, in lots of different ways. Yeah, and it, fair enough if people believe that he can do that. And I think all the evidence we've seen so far is that he's not nearly as good. Uh, another solution needed there. At Vlasveld says, what should we do with young Rash? His confidence is going to be shot sitting on the bench. Uh, the thing that I think we should do with young Rash is start bringing him, start being 3-0 up with half an hour to go, basically. Uh, so that we can bring him on up front for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Because the, the rest of the season, basically every game is now important from now till the end of the season. Unless maybe you say, like, against Reading in the FA Cup at home, we could just start Rashford up front. Um, so I don't think he's going to get that many starts at centre-forward, but we've got to stop playing him on the wings. We've got to start playing him through the middle. Well, I certainly agree with that last bit. I, look, he's he's just not going to get loads of football till the end of the season unless it's on the wings. Um, so, yeah, uh, half an hour here or there is great. I'm not sure that his confidence will be shot, though. He's 18. You know, he, he's come into the side and played a lot of football earlier than he probably thought he would do. And I think he looked exhausted at the end of his recent run of games in the side as well. And I thought I thought he really needed a rest, really needs some time out of the team. And I think we've, you know, him and Martial are the big question marks. You know, you were listing all the players that Marino's clearly doing an excellent job with. And I think there, there are big question marks over both of them. Um, but I don't think they're question mark, exclamation marks yet. You know, I think they're just question marks... And then, like in brackets, is this supposed to be a question mark or is everything fine? We'll wait and see. That's why it's a question mark. This sentence really lost my mind. It started strong. I kind of knew where I was going, but listen, it's quite late at night. It's been a long Christmas. There's been a lot of chocolate eaten and it, it fell off a cliff. I'm going to own it. I'm, I'm holding my hands up, Ed. I, I, I promise to try and do better with my next sentence. You do that, yeah. <laughs> or, or you'll be out of a job and I'm just going to do this as a monologue. <laughs> Um, at Fat Bobolob says, who's your player of the season so far? Personally, I'd go for Herrera. Yeah, I mean, he's been outstanding. So has Mata. Um, Ibrahimovic, in, in so far as he's put up the numbers, I'm not sure his performances have always yeah. been that good. Uh, Carrick when he came into the side, but obviously he didn't start the season. Uh, and Pogba is getting stronger with each game. I, I've just listed five players of the season there. I think it's probably Herrera just shading matter, but, you know, could be the other way around. I think it might be Paul Pogba. I think if you look at the, the statistics... Um, then, then Pog was crushing. Like you mentioned, the who scored thing over overrating goals and assists. Uh, Paul Pogba got man of the match on who scored in a game where Ibrahimovic scored and got two assists, and he got one assist with no goals. Pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, but I think I think Pogba's been absolutely outstanding. Uh, but and he's getting better and better. But you know, I'm always happy to give Herrera awards. I'd also uh, give an honourable mention to Antonio Valencia, um, who I don't think has had a bad game all season uh, and it's definitely a very long time since we've been able to say that yeah very true at Will Waite says what was David Moyes unfairly treated at United and should he have been given more time hashtag of course not <laughs> that's not that's not really a question is it Willie yeah. I, no I'd, I'd like to see Moyes still as manager yeah <laughs> totes <laughs> J- Jake at born underscore and underscore red says David Moyes is a, ru- is a mug hashtag rank cast <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd like to see we're the number one source for anti-David Moyes propaganda on the internet. I did. Uh, I, I don't think David Moyes is on Twitter, is he? It's probably good for him that he's not. No, there is someone with a handle at Moyes, um, but they don't use that account anymore. Their bio just says, now tweeting at Helen Moyes. <laughs> <laughs> Very sensible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at Jeff Peckar 17 says, why not take the Europa League seriously if winning it is a route to the Champions League and United have one of the strongest squads? Like deeper squads. I think I think we will. They, they might well be taking it seriously. I mean, he's played a strong team almost throughout. He has. I mean, he? he said that he was not planning to play after West Brom. He was asked about this and he said that he was not planning to play Ibrahimovic in as many Europa League games, but we kind of messed up the beginning of that group and so he had to play him. So I think there was there was some uh, rotation planned, but no, he's, he's clearly taken it seriously. He had to to get out of the group. Anyway, uh, Ibra is doing uh, some kind of snow therapy uh, in order to keep himself fit and strong. See Snow Angel in the buff over Christmas. Very nice. Nice. I was 100% sure you were going to make a Jack Wilshire joke then. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't do something like that. Of course not. Uh, at Josh underscore Stanley says, should Mickey's song actually be Mickey, 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 Terry, and he scored a goal? No. No, because loads of people have Karma Chameleon chants. No one has Englishman in New York chants. United have a, a duty of care to provide original chants for other teams to take. Um, uh, talking of which, um, I was told by Rob, friend of the show, that one of the Soul Twins, I think I think Jeff, I think Soul Twin Jeff, came up with a chant which is... Um, He's got the first same first name as Cantona. He's gonna be a superstar. Oh Bailey, hey Bailey, which I thought was real, real, real good. You did a piece recently on United songs away, and you I think you can do forty-seven or something like that at West Brom, right? Which yeah. is great. Yeah, I have yeah. to say, ripping off pop songs in order to do a chant to it—it's not—it's not the old tradition of like original songs, is it? Um, well, well, come on, it's a halfway house. I mean, are you talking about the 1950s here, Ed? Pop songs have got a, a noble, venerable interlinking with uh, with football and have done for a long time. They have, uh, but as soon as that chant is uh, is brought out, 50 other clubs will copy Yeah, it. but that's all right. You can't do anything about that. You've just got to be the pioneers. It was funny at West Brom because, because I was charting what United were singing, the United fans were singing, it became extremely evident that every West Brom song, bar about two or three, was just a United song repurposed. And you, I, I do wonder whether other clubs know that that's where it comes from. You know, it's this kind of... Uh, like, Birmingham City have got a version of the Park song. I mean, obviously, the tune of that isn't original, but it's thematically very similar. I don't know. The whole thing's ridiculous. Uh, can you do a loan watch section this week, says at Shivham underscore Chopra, on how our loanees are performing and if any of them are likely to return? Um, I w- wouldn't be 100% shocked to see Cameron Borthwick Jackson come back because Moyes was reportedly unhappy with the way Wolves are handling him. Um, I don't know about too many of the other players we've got out. Moyes was apparently unhappy. Did I with say it? Moyes? Well, f- Moyes? Oh my yeah, God. What's Moyes got oh, to do I've with got this? Moyes on the brain. Oh. That's frightening. Uh, Mourinho. Mourinho was unhappy. <laughs> alternate youth. Sliding doors there. Alternate universe thing. Uh, Andres Pereira. Last time I checked was doing well in La Liga, but I haven't checked for a few weeks. 
Uh, and Adnan Yanazai uh, played at number 10 for Sunderland in the game they won just before the game against us. So And, and was real, real good. I had a little package on him on match of the day. But I, I'd be surprised to see anyone coming back, really. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe like Timothy Fosu-Mensah go out on loan uh, in January. Yeah, if he's not going to be used, that might make some sense. Um, and Mourinho does seem to want to use quite a small squad. Uh, who will direct the new Scorpion film film, uh, Scorpion King film starring McTerrin? Asks at Duart underscore J. Uh, got to go with like a Hong Kong cinema director, haven't we? John Woo, maybe? Uh, yeah. Um, although we've only seen one actual move from McTerrin, you know. He's definitely got more moves than that. Uh, at Dipaxiani says, why are so many people focusing on how McTurrin's goal was offside rather than just appreciating its beauty? I think you mentioned that earlier, didn't you, Ed? Yeah, um, I think that's about trying to lessen its impact. Uh, this is an interesting question. At Broy1709 says, for all the positivity, do you still feel like it maybe takes us 25 minutes to really get going? Is that symptomatic of uh, LVG? I don't know, does it? It definitely did against Sunderland. And, and the first half against West Brom wasn't... No, not West Brom. The game before that, whoever that was, Palace away, uh, wasn't particularly good either. Uh, but we started real strong against West Brom. Scored within a few minutes, didn't we? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I'm not sure this is a LVG hangover. Uh, and I'm not sure I really think United start that slowly. Um, I'm glad they're not fading out of games now. That's more important. Uh, one one last question. At Alberto, no, Albo underscore Albert, uh, tweets, at Pornhub, you uploaded the McTarian goal yet? <laughs> I thought you'd like that one. Pure out. filth. Pure filth, that goal. Should be illegal. I had, I had so many more questions lined up to read, but Ed's called time on the questions segment. Um, so uh, we'll, I guess, talk about... Hey, make you your sure, questions you sure better you want... next week and you'll get on. Are you sure you want to end the question segment? Go on, there, give right? us a really good one. Um, all right, uh, I like this one. Um, at Nightwink99 says, which of Jose's outcasts would you give a second chance to in the new year? Well, um, on talent, it should be Memphis, but we haven't seen that in about two years, have we? Uh, no, I, I think I would say, I don't know if it quite counts, but I would say Fosu Mensa, actually, um, because he was kept in the first-team squad and has been used in the first team, but incredibly sparingly and, and would would like to see him get a little bit more football. I mean, I'm not sure we can properly call him an outcast, but I think Schneiderlin, I, I think I like him more than you do, Ed, but I, I, I don't see an obvious role for him in the squad, uh, except as, as a, maybe a replacement for Herrera in the current system. Uh, if, if Herrera gets injured, for example, I think we'd you know, we sell Schneiderlin and then Herrera gets injured, I think we'd re- regret selling Schneiderlin, wouldn't we? Uh, yeah, potentially. Yeah. So, But, uh, I mean, he's not good enough, So, which is why he's not getting a game for United. Okay. Um, and Bastian Schweinsteiger, I think, is the most logical uh, cover in the squad for Michael Carrick, actually. I think it's not Blint. It's, uh, it's Schweinsteiger that would be the natural fit there. Yeah. He, he's going to leave, though, isn't he? Well... I mean, he's, uh, his, his wife has now retired from tennis. They are free to go wherever they want. Let's, uh, let's talk about transfers then. So um, this is the last podcast before the transfer window opens. Uh, the last I looked, I, haven't, I don't pay these things forensic attention, but the last I looked, it looked like that Lindelof deal was being very much talked about in the way that deals are talked about when, uh, when we think they're done. Yes, although all the papers running tonight, we're recording on Wednesday night. Don't, don't you lose 
track of time over Christmas. I do. Yeah, no idea what day it is. No idea. Uh, Yeah, United apparently briefing that they are now not interested. Happy with Rojo and Jones. Maybe it's just negotiating tactics. Well, I mean, yeah, that makes sense that it would be negotiating tactics. But, you know, Rojo and Jones with both Smalling and Bailly waiting in the wings... That's not a terrible collection of central defenders to do half a season on, is it? Uh, no, certainly not. Um, although I think if this is the briefing, it might just be overpriced, right? United are not prepared to pay the the, the price that's being asked and negotiations have apparently been ongoing for weeks. Um, so friend of the show, Mark Thompson, who you can follow uh, on Twitter at etnar underscore uk did a really really good analysis video of Lindelof's strengths and weaknesses he takes covering uh, central defenders real real seriously um so uh, it's not just a kind of youtube highlights package it's a proper forensic analysis so so check that out if you're interested in Lindelof and you don't know much about him i, I will because I don't. <laughs> yeah, Portuguese football is not it's not a, a place I pay a lot of attention to. Uh, no. We've got some OK players from there in the past, though. And some uh, less OK players from there. It's fair to say. Uh, who else are we linked with this transfer window? No one, right? No one. It's just a question of who goes. So uh, Jose talked the other week about Morgan Schneiderlin being free to go. Uh, there have been bids from West Brom, apparently, and uh, Everton interested. Uh, there was talk about Everton interested in a double deal for Schneiderlin and Memphis. It seems certain that Memphis is also likely to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't really see a good reason for him not to. Uh, you wonder whether United will actually work to try and get a price for either of these players, because... They don't normally uh, do that, but you would think at some point they're going to have to start trying to actually recoup some investment when they when they sell players who haven't worked out at the club. You'd, you'd think that would be sensible, wouldn't you? Um, the Guardian recently published their top 100 players in the world. It's a panel of some footballers or some ex-footballers and coaches and mostly journalists who uh, come up with this top 100 Always, with any list, there's always ones to argue about. Um, Nanny appearing higher in the list than Wan Mata. Discuss. In my opinion, that is bad. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's my heartfelt discussion. Although, to be fair, I've not seen a lot of Nanny since he uh, left Man United. Yeah. Five million pounds for Nanny. Um, so, if that is uh, correct as an assessment that Nanny is in, indeed in the top 70 players in the world. Uh, then uh, we perhaps didn't get enough for I mean, I, I think there is that thing that always happened in the Ferguson era of a kind of a duty of care to players, basically, to let them go cheap when they weren't needed at United because United didn't need to sell to balance the books. So it's a kind of uh, a quid pro quo thing. OK, it's not worked out for you at United, so we're, but we're not going to try and get the maximum human cost possible. I mean, there's a couple of exceptions to that, but that, that's when the rare occasions when it's players we don't want to let go. Uh, but generally speaking, he, he never really uh, seemed to be trying to recoup investment in that way uh, as, as a kind of um, pastoral care thing. And definitely felt like that with Nani. Uh, I mean, didn't we just basically give him away to to cover the cost of Marcus Rocco? Yeah. Basically. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I guess very few incomings. I don't think we really need to massively strengthen the squad. I, I, I mean, 
it's, we're obviously not going to buy one of the top name superstars. We're not going to buy Antoine Griezmann this January, are we? So you know. Uh, so you reckon Schneiderlin out, Memphis out. Um, I reckon Fosu Mensah will go out on loan, and it seems completely reasonable to suppose that Bastian Schweinsteiger will go out. Which you know, then the central midfield squad's starting to look a bit thin at that point, isn't it? You lose both Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger. What cover really is available then? Not not a lot. Um, uh, Daily Blint in midfield, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's likely to happen. Uh, Rooney in midfield, of course, will rear its head. Uh, injured at the moment. Waza, Captain Waza. Uh, Mourinho not expecting him to be back for Middlesbrough. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Middlesbrough. Uh, they, uh, they're not very good either, but maybe slightly better than Sunderland. Well, I mean, the, the league table would suggest they are better than Sunderland, wouldn't it? A whole four points better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I guess uh, being the, one of the promoted sides, being four points off the relegation zone is perfectly acceptable uh, for Middlesbrough, perfectly acceptable. Um, and they've had, as you'd expect, some pretty mixed results. You know, they lost at the weekend to Burnley. Uh, Burnley, you know, also down the table. They smashed Swansea while everyone's doing that. They lost heavily to Liverpool. Um, this is Lots of people are doing that. Yeah, lots of people are doing that. Liverpool racking up the goals this season. Um, but, you know, they are probably about par for the squad that they've got. Uh, which includes Manchester United legend Victor Valdez, of course. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, managed by Ito Karenka, Mourinho's old partner in crime at Real Madrid. Yeah, and they've never, as I, far as I know, had a falling out. Karanka is still definitely hashtag Team Jose, isn't he? He's, uh, he's one of the gang, Ito Karanka. He is, and still surprised that he's uh, Middlesbrough manager because, you know, he has a certain amount of ambition as a manager, a high level. Um, and he wasn't sure that Middlesbrough were matching that. So there was quite a lot of debate uh, earlier this year and over the summer that he would leave after uh, taking them up in, you know, very strong fashion last season from the Championship. Yeah, I mean, he he left for, uh, I think, three days last season and just in the middle of the season, um, well, in the second, during the second half of the season, but... Uh, He's back with his with his lovely hair and is quite similar to Andre Villas-Boas face, which I think is an interesting quirk of fate that Mourinho's two mates, not that AVB is really a mate of Mourinho's anymore, uh, a definite falling out in that in that one. Um, Boas kind of maybe their most impressive result was keeping Chelsea down to a one nil win uh, at the Riverside um, towards the end of November. Uh, but they, I don't think they've got any notable results at all away from home this season. And the fact, when we were talking about this run of fixtures uh, a few weeks ago, I think I said this game was away, but of course it's not. It's a, it's very much at Old Trafford, and uh, I mean, very entirely winnable in every way you possibly look at it. This should be a comfortable United win. Should be, unless Victor Valdez uh, pulls out, you know, a performance that we didn't see from him as a United player. Uh, <laughs> we didn't see, we didn't see any performances from him as a United player, did we? Not many, no. Uh, another United connection, Fabio, is a player oh. at Middlesbrough. Doesn't play, but he's a player at Middlesbrough. Another Champions League finalist. Yeah, Victor Valdez started that game, didn't he, in 2011? They both did, and now they both. I bet you, if you'd asked them then, where are they going to be playing on the twenty on the thirty first of uh, uh, December twenty sixteen? Neither of them would have said Middlesbrough. No, but they will be playing at Old Trafford. 
uh, on the 31st of December 2016. Yeah. Um, I think Fabio Fabio got a game the other day, uh, which is nice because you know we like to see him. He's had he's had he's played seven times this this season. It's not not insubstantial. Gaston Ramirez is their key creative force. Alvaro Negredo is relied upon to score the goals and has managed to do so five times mm-hmm. this season, which is not all that many really. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, you know, th- they've got some okay players and I suspect they'll probably stay in the Premier League, but I don't think they'll stay on the Premier League because they're going to beat us. Uh, no, I, I think this will be a comfortable win for United. Uh, and uh, my prediction of four United wins in a row will be true, despite your negative negative views on this one, doubts Can- and bad vibes. Listen, mostly that was based on the fact that I thought we were going to have to go to the Riverside and I'd feel a lot less comfortable about that. Well, although with the way we dealt with going to Crystal Palace and then West Brom, things are looking up on that score too. So, Yeah, because, you know, Moyes won a lot of games away from home. Van Gaal was, was very good at Old Trafford and terrible away from home. And Mourinho seems to now have got the knack of both, which is ideal. That's what you want, really, isn't it? Um, will it be five United wins in a row uh, when two days later, just the two days, normally you have uh, a fixture on Boxing Day and then one on the 28th, but the kind of craziness is delayed to the new year this time round. But we play uh, on the 31st and then again on the 2nd um, in London uh, at West Ham. Yeah, um, and West Ham, whose results uh, are picking up, you know, battered Swansea at the weekend. Uh, it doesn't count, though, does yeah, it? Yeah, but That's beat Hull like... and beat Burnley and got a draw with Liverpool before that. So, you know, it's been a decent December for them. Yeah, very, well, uh, since they lost 5-1 to Arsenal, they're yeah. unbeaten, aren't they? And that's... Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also play uh, on the 31st, so they will be as knackered as United. They get a Champions Leicester. Can, can we keep calling Champions Leicester champions? I mean, they are clearly not going to win this league. This season. Uh, I believe the song goes, we'll sing it till May, we'll sing it till May. Champions of England, we'll sing it till May. Yeah, Leicester fans uh, in their recent game against Everton singing, we're champions of England. You'll never sing that. Uh, Everton nine times champions of England. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, They're they're a funny lot, the Leicester's pause. Underrated, nasty bunch, the Leicester fans. (laughs) Like Stoke but slightly better, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, For me, Stoke fans are the proof of evolution uh, because they are less evolved. Listen, let's not be having your, uh, your, what is it, your classist agenda. No, no, I think it's racist, isn't it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, West Ham are are improved. They were massively struggling. And this game's at home where they've they've managed uh, two wins on... The bounce, um, that obviously a hugely troubled move. Uh, last time United visited West Ham, it was complete chaos. Uh, United were late getting there. West Ham fans throwing bottles. Jesse Lingard making uh, Snapchats, which uh, Roy Keane wouldn't have allowed him to. Um, that's the that's the narrative about that one, right? Um, but yeah, they they won two games, but it's one nil against Burnley and Hull. Hardly an impressive ringing endorsement of an uptick in home form. And the last time a proper team played <coughs> them, uh, Arsenal beat them five one. So if United uh, are anything like their best, I mean, you know, there were the two games a few yeah. weeks ago, basically um, the, the one all which we definitely should have won, um, and then the the four one which we definitely did win. Uh, that was just before our recent really good run started. I think that's it is definitely during our unbeaten run. 
and both those games are um but yeah so you know there isn't much reason to think that we should do anything other than win but a win in this game would be massive it would be massive and united have definitely had mixed results at uh, at west ham over the years obviously, uh, and some pretty big ones too. Have they stopped fighting in the Olympic Stadium now? I mean, you know, are they united as a crowd? Because, you know, the, the problems they've had with the Olympic Stadium, the move, not universally popular, uh, challenges with segregation between West Ham fans wanting to beat each other up as well as other <laughs> types, challenges in the area, getting to it. You know, it's less congested around the Olympic Stadium because it's designed for major um major events than Upton Park, which, you know, all those narrow roads, if you've ever been to Upton Park, a total pain to get there. Um, so, you know, it should be better, I suppose. But uh, I just wonder whether this might be a, this might be a bit of a flashpoint as well. It often is when United are there. I've certainly been some some games at Upton Park where it's been a bit tasty. Um, so we might get some of that. Uh, but it also might be the kind of game that United's West Ham fans, you know, they there's almost no one they hate more than United. Bizarrely, <laughs> I think uh, I think many many West Ham fans would tell you that they hate Tottenham more than they hate United. They definitely do. They definitely do. But United will run them a very close second. <laughs> uh, I, I, mm, I don't know, Millwall, Chelsea, they got to be up there, haven't they? But yeah, United, are, United are definitely one of the main rivals. It goes back to the sort of sixties and seventies. Uh, Red Army taking their their stand, you know, actual football violence. Uh, the good old days. <laughs> um, I think since we've uh, since we've basically done as much previewing as we're going to do, and we've got like five minutes before we hit the hour mark, should we do should we do another couple of listener questions built in? All right. Um, we definitely had one, which I'm looking for now, which said, did you have a nice Christmas? That's the one I wanted to ask. Uh, yeah, it was quite went... good. Uh, I have an extraordinarily large amount of booze left over from it, so maybe it wasn't as good as I'd planned it to be. Yeah, I mean, we uh, maybe that Rankcast intervention that we staged last time actually did the job. and uh, Maybe it did. You didn't break yourself to the extent that you were uh, that you were planning to. Well, it'll have to be put away in a cupboard because uh, I do dry January, as I have done for many, many years. Right. Give the liver an old rest. Right. Hit the gym and then pound it again in February. So are you going to, like, really hammer it on New Year's Eve? Is that the plan? No. 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 Sensible from here on out. Something like that. You? Uh, Yeah, it was a lovely, lovely Christmas, a a quiet family affair. Um, And then I saw a bunch of friends on Christmas Eve, on the evening of Christmas time. I got a a, a sound bar for my TV, so now I can actually hear what they're saying on the TV and hear the music from films and stuff. That was a a major upgrade. Um, And, yeah, so it was nice, real real nice Christmas and nice to have a bit of a, a break and a bit of downtime. Glorious. And then the, the last question, at Stretford Enders says, Secret Santa in the Man United dressing room. Various gifts, X, player X got player Y. Discuss and Happy New Year, guys. So we're going to end on this because Christmas is over. So this is the last Christmas content. Um, I think at Daily Blint, whoever was Secret Santa, basically everyone would have wanted Juan Mata to be their Secret Santa because he would have got the most thoughtful gift. Zlatan Ibrahimovic would definitely have got you a copy of his book. Um... No question about that. Um, Memphis Dubai would have got you like a, a plane ticket to come and see him wherever he ends up. Uh, Maron Fellaini, 
someone would definitely have bought him a ticket to China as a banter. They, what, <laughs> yeah, do, do, do you know what you get his last hand as a banter? What's that? Copy of the God Delusion. <laughs> uh, I think maybe um, the, the interesting question is, what do you set as the upper limit for prices for a footballer secret Santa? Because, you know, in an office it would be like a tenner maybe. What the No, I think you should set it as a tenner because uh, they, they know what to buy with 10,000. They'd be buying each other Rolexes yeah, and yeah, yeah. whatever. You know, or as Bant said, buy someone a smart car. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Isn't that funny? He's only got a smart car. And then they'd run it over in one of their Hummers. Um, but, yeah, ten quid. Get Morgan Schneidel in a Scouse phrase book oh. for, his, for his trip to Everton. Get Bastian Schweinsteiger a Cantonese phrase book. Ouch. It, it all works. All right, uh, let's do predictions. I'm going to predict a 3-0 win over Middlesbrough and a 2-1 win over West Ham. Oh, yeah. I wonder whether there might be goals at West Ham for United. I'm going to predict a 2-0 win at West Ham. That's a bit bold, isn't it? And a 3-0 win over Middlesbrough. Nice. Let's hope that comes to pass. Um, so thank you very much for listening, Uh the show is supported by uh, crowdfunding at patreon.com slash rankcast. If you want to get a bit more show every week, head over there and sign up. Um, and for those of you who have already done that, we're going to do a Star Wars themed uh, bonus content today in honour of Rogue One and, of course, the very sad passing of Carrie Fisher. So that's what's coming up next. Stay tuned if you're a backer. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Come on, you Reds. See you next week. 